Hey, Next on the T Nation, thanks for tuning in to this special segment of the show featuring four-time winner and one of the all-time great ball strikers, Tim Simpson. Tim has become a wonderful friend of the show over the years. Always enjoy spending time with him. I hope you enjoy this segment of the show. I want to start things off by reminding you about the Macklemore. It's a private resort located just south of Chattanooga, high atop Lookout Mountain, Georgia. It's a casual two-hour drive from Atlanta, Nashville, and Birmingham. The existing Highlands course is now ranked in the top 100 courses you can play in the United States by Golf Digest. The 18th hole is ranked in the top 10 finishing holes in the world. A second course, the Outpost, is now under construction and will open summer of 2024. That Outpost is another Bill Bergen, Reese Jones design and features a mile and a half of dramatic cliff edge which every inch of that cliff edge is filled up with a golf hole. They've got a world-class hotel, Cloudland Lookout Mountain Curio Collection by Hilton, will open spring of 2024. Both have incredible views into historic Macklemore Cove, 1,200 feet below. You gotta see it to believe it, folks. Stay, dine, and play golf above the clouds at Macklemore. Go online to macklemore.com to book your stay and play package today. And let's talk about grips, folks. I want to remind you about our friends over at Lampkin Grips because every shot has its own unique feel. The trick? Feel comfortable with each one. And comfort is built into the very DNA of Sonar Plus Black Grips. Let's talk about our connection to the club, folks. And let's talk about our friends over at Lampkin Grips because every shot has its own unique feel. The trick? Feel comfortable with each one. And comfort is built into the very DNA of Sonar Plus Black Grips. Composed of their Genesis material that provides supreme comfort and durability, while their fingerprint technology creates a strong connection and unforgettable touch. The game changes from shot to shot. The feel in your hand shouldn't, though. Lampkin. Feel is everything. I also want to remind you about the all-new Stealth 2 driver from TaylorMade. If there's one thing we know golfers want from a driver, it's distance. But there's actually two things we all want. Distance, and let's not forget, forgiveness. That's why TaylorMade designed the Stealth 2 driver with even more carbon for even more forgiveness. To learn more about the new Stealth 2 driver from TaylorMade, visit TaylorMadeGolf.com. Okay, now back in making his eighth appearance with me here on the show is one of the all-time great ball strikers and one of my all-time favorite guests, and that's Tim Simpson. Tim is from right here in Atlanta, Georgia, played his college golf at the University of Georgia, where he lettered in 1975 and 76. During his time there, Tim was named All-SEC, All-American, and a college All-Star. Tim won the Southern Amateur in 1976, and he turned pro in 77. He won four times on the PGA Tour at the 1985 Southern Open, the 1989 USF&G Classic, and back-to-back years at the Walt Disney World Oldsmobile Open in 89 and 90. He also won the Georgia Open five times in the Casserole World Championship over in France. He was named the PGA Tour Comeback Player of the Year in 1989. He had two top 10 finishes in majors, both coming in 1990 at the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship. That year, he was named the Georgia Professional Athlete of the Year. In 2004, he was inducted into the State of Georgia Sports Hall of Fame. In 2006, he was inducted into the Georgia State Golf Association Hall of Fame and named Comeback Player of the Year on the Champions Tour. Over the course of his PGA and Champions Tour career, he had 82 top 10 finishes and 202 top 25s. And like I say, 
He's one of my all-time favorite guests, and I'm honored he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Timbo, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. It's so good to hear from you again, Chris. Tim, catch us up. I know the last time we talked, you you were starting to feel a little bit better. How are you feeling? Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm feeling really good overall. Um, having having a little current back issue, kind of out of the clear blue, the last three or four days. But I had a crazy thing happen, Chris. Back on December third, I was driving to South Georgia, and um, and I had a TIA. I had a mini stroke, and wow. uh, I tell you what, it was scary. Um, no doubt. And, yeah, and and I don't, you know, they can't do a brain scan or anything. Nothing, nothing will show up like a major stroke that causes permanent, you know, a permanent brain injury. But um, you know, all all things lead to a TIA. You know, I felt like I had vertigo when I went to get out of the the vehicle. You know, my legs didn't want to support me. Extremely difficult to walk. Speech was slurred. And then within an hour, uh, I arrived at my friend's house, spent three three hours with him, and was totally normal. Got back in the car, got almost back to Lake Oconee uh, from Albany, and it happened again. And uh, so anyway, it was kind of scary, but, you know, everything went back to normal real quick. And um, the good news is uh, starting uh, about that time or before that, I started hitting balls. My back has gotten better and better. Uh, I've been taking collagen, ironically, and it's first supplement I've ever taken in my life where I truly feel a difference. Uh, it's really amazing. And um, I don't know what's going on in the last few days other than I, I think I slept wrong, just got a crick in my neck. But but anyway, um, I, I found out that I can't turn as well as I used to at almost <laughs> at almost 67 and having a little belly. And uh, the other thing is I have lost a bunch of distance. Good gracious. You know, but, uh, you know, basically it's I've played 10 or 12 rounds in 12 years since I had career ending injuries on the Champions Tour. So, you know, going from 55 to almost 67, you know, that's. You know, I'm gonna be needing a daggum cane or a walker here before too long. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I gotta tell you, I uh, I've gotten involved with something incredible uh, through my friend Bob Rotella. As you know, I've worked with Bob forty years. This is my fortieth year. Started with him in 1983. He's one of his first two clients on the PGA Tour, and and. Um, Chris, um, I was having some issues with my archery. It's called target panic. It's similar to the yips in golf. And <clears throat> most top archers fight it. Olympians, everybody. It, it's spooky. I mean, you feel helpless. And I was talking to Bob about it. And I'm like, Bob, you know, you've told me that you've told hundreds and hundreds of people that nobody knows stuff better than me, but it, it ain't working. So he said, well, just keep downplaying the importance, keep having fun, this and that. A couple of days later, he called me, he said, Tim, I met this guy, great guy named John McGuire. And he's got a company called uh, Seraphit. And he said, I'm going to put him, put you on speaker. And John couldn't have been nicer. And he said, Tim, I can help you. I'll guarantee you I can help you. Well, then I'm all ears. And John, uh, Seraphit is an astounding company, uh, to, to do with what they do with the mind, 
The parent company is Zing Performance out of Europe. I believe they're based in England. Um, Zing Performance specializes in working with people uh, with PTSD, with any anxiety issues, uh, being it something tragic that happened in their life or whatever. And, and they're getting amazing results with children with ADD. And Seraphit is a sports division um, of, of Zing Performance. And basically, uh, it helps create the neuroplasticity in the cerebellum, the base of your brain, and it enables athletes as well as people, uh, you know, regular, regular old people that are struggling with anxiety to, uh, to perform automatically and at their highest level. And I've been doing it for about five weeks. I'm not paid. There's, there's nothing, no incentive here. It's, I just wanted to share it because I know it can help people. Uh, there's guys on the PGA Tour doing it. There's a whole lot of other athletes worldwide that are doing it. And I just thought you would find it interesting. Yeah, I do. So g- give me a little more on that, Tim. So through the through Zinc Performance and the, and the work you're doing with John McGuire, and then I, I'm guessing in conjunction with Dr. Rotella, how is it helping you? What Going through the yips is obviously something that none of us want to talk about. We don't even like to say the Y word in golf. I can't imagine what it's like going through it in archery, but how is it helping you? Is it Does it keep you calmer? Does it help you focus? What does it do? Well, it, it, it does, and it's, it's really amazing. Um, as far as my dog just came in here, he's growling at a deer outside. So I hope he doesn't interrupt us. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, you you do, in Seraphit, you do a number of exercises. And I don't mean exercises like running and lifting weights and stuff, but it's more like balance exercises, a lot of eye tracking, a lot of movement of, you know, moving your right arm in circles forward, your left arm backwards. You're just working, working the brain. And um, it's, it's just amazing. And then Zing Performance, um, I deal with a, a, a professional in England named Gail. And she, I mean, it's cool. It is cool. And it's a lot more visualization stuff, um, you know, which Bob taught me that many, many years ago. And, and it works as well. But I tell you how successful it is. Uh, there's two things in the world that I know that I'm scared of. One's an MRI machine. If you've ever had one, you know, it's pretty claustrophobic. And the other thing is snakes. I don't make any bones about it. I'm afraid of snakes. I don't like them. And the crazy thing is, is she would have me visualize them as I was doing my breathing exercises and this and that. And then, um, a part of, a part of it is called SEMDR. Don't ask me what that stands for, but that's what you're doing when you're doing these exercises and you're moving your eyes back and forth with your eyes closed, similar to the REM stage of sleep when you're dreaming and you focus on what gives you that anxiety and it blew her away. Within two seconds, it was gone. Boom, like that. And now I'm to the point after several weeks of working with her, I can't even conjure those up anymore. Really? And I, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's 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 just amazing. And um, I, I was telling Gail, I guess the proof's going to be in the pudding. First time I walk up on a snake in the woods, you know. But but as of now, when I try to envision it, you know, and and most most athletes, you know, especially at the professional level, 
you know, are doing visualization. If they're not, they're getting beat by those that are. And the Koreans have been huge into it for years. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing great benefits. And um, John is a super good guy. He knows his stuff inside and out. And he's got a, he's just put together a great team. And he can explain more to you. I'm, I want to hook you two guys up and uh, let you get some more info because I think it's going to intrigue and your followers. Yeah, no, 100%. I'm I'm sitting there thinking. I wonder if it'll help me. You know, w- when I get in a bunker, can it get rid of the anxiety of of getting in a bunker? Because if so, I'm I'm all in. Well, there's there's so many things if you think about it that trigger anxiety. You know, in our lives, it could be maybe that you know you or I've put on twenty or thirty pounds. You know, in the last twenty years, or women are certainly very self conscious about their looks. You know, and and I'm telling you what, it's it's amazing what it's doing for me. And I know it'll help many, many other people. Um, it, yeah. And they are worldwide. It just happens to be that Seraphit is a sport division of Zing Performance. So I have a once a week hourly Zoom call uh, with Gail, my professional. And uh, we do a lot of visualization and talking and things that trigger me in certain situations. and. Let me let me just give you an off the off the uh, cuff thing. Uh, it's been 30, 30 years this year since I led the U.S. Open at Medina. Set the course record was the first player to ever get to nine under par in in USGA history in the Open, and um, felt like I blew it. I missed seven putts under four feet the last two rounds to finish. I think it was fourth, fourth or fifth, but anyway. Uh, you know, it, it's something I'll remember, unfortunately, till the day I die. And you know what? I, it's amazing. It makes that go away when I think about it. When I try to create that anxiety and frustration I was having, missing shortcuts and watching myself hand away, you know, one of the biggest tournaments in the world. Um, I mean, it's amazing what it, what it does. Um, I mean, people with PTSD that have experienced things that you and I can't fathom in the war zone, you know, they're having dramatic positive results with it. So uh, I'm real excited about it. And, and I like sharing stuff. You know, yeah, you know, uh, you know I've, I've been blessed to make a living at, at a game that I love. And I'm at the point in my life where I enjoy giving back. Well, I appreciate you sharing that story. That's fantastic stuff. And I, uh, I hope you will. Let's let, let's get hooked up with that, and uh, we'll bring him on the show and and talk about it in, in in further depth. I think it could help a lot of people. Like I say, it could help me with my bunker play. So I'm looking forward yeah. to having him here. Yeah, and you just download the app. It's very affordable, and and you just, you know, you do your daily exercises, and they're about ten minutes long. Um, it's I try to do them right after I have my coffee in the morning before I get busy and don't want to put it off till later in the day. And uh, it's pretty cool. I'm excited about it. You know, I'm uh, yeah. I'm more excited about that than I am the distance loss in my college. <laughs> 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 uh, let's switch gears. Let's talk about that for a minute, though. Okay. Right? Every the the news of the day, right? Everyone is talking about you know rolling the golf ball back, and you know if that's a good idea or a bad idea. And I want to get your thoughts on that for in a second, but. When when I was looking up some of your stats from when you were on tour, 
back in the late uh, 70s, early 80s, they had you at about 263 yards as your average driving distance. Yep. I'm guessing you're probably still hitting it 263 with your driver and, and, and the golf ball nowadays. Oh, I can hit it 300. No problem. I just got to hit it twice. <laughs> that's what i tell bubba watson every time i see him at the bulldog golf day i'm like bubba i still hit it farther than you i just gotta hit it twice <laughs> yeah i was i was just average as you know i was known for my great accuracy um but you know that in those years you know when i was i think tom percher led the tour at 277 uh, Norman led it several years later at 284. So, you know, in 1990, 33 years ago, they came to the TPC. I'm sorry, they is Golf Digest and USGA and Golf Digest. And they asked all 150 of us, top 150 players in the world, uh, to hit some balls, you know. And, um, and the average club head on speed, uh, club head speed on tour in 1990 was 111. As of last year, according to the data I get from the PGA Tour and the USGA, the average club head speed on tour was 112. Now, I'm certainly not going to argue the fact that the kids are more fit today. They're all training. You know, they've all got, you know, they're in the gym lifting and everything every day. They got nutritionists. I mean, you don't, you don't see any chubby, out-of-shape guys out there, and they're not going out drinking beer at night, I promise you. But the, bot- but the bottom line is, as you know, is one degree of loss usually equates to three yards. A one degree stronger, you'll hit it three, three yards farther, say with an iron. And it's the same with mile per hour. For every mile an hour, it's about three yards of distance. So you tell me how they're hitting it 70 yards farther than we did. And it's, it's, I mean, you know what the answer is. The ball is like, it's so hot. It's crazy. It's like a Super Bowl. If you remember when we were young, I know you're younger than yep. me, but the Super Bowl, you drop it at your waist and it mounts over your head. That's what the golf ball is. And I had lunch up the Bulldog Golf Day last fall with Billy Kratzer, you know, who announces with Golf Channel. And he had just finished the uh, Tour Championship at East Lake. And we were talking about Rory, Rory McElroy put on, I think, 25 or 26 yards of driving distance since his rookie year. And I don't care how much time you're spending in the gym or what you can bench press. That just doesn't add up. I mean, that's like 200 miles an hour in a car. And um, he was telling me, he said, Tim, I'm telling you, the golf ball today is so crazy hot. He said it makes the balls you and I played 30 years ago look like a wiffle ball. And, you know, to me, it's like I'm not taking anything away from the players. But you take smallish guys, smaller guys like Justin Thomas or Ricky Fowler, you know, that are, you know, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, tops. Now you tell me how they're hitting 325, 330. It, it, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't make any sense. And from the time I was 15 years old until the day I retired from the Champions Tour, my seven iron, my normal seven iron was 155 yards. Now, I'm sitting there watching them on TV, and here's Justin Thomas that comes up to my nose, you know, hitting a seven iron from 200. And I'm like, something is not right here. 
And I don't, if I can't understand it as a, you know, long-time PGA Tour player, how the heck can amateurs understand it? Right. You know, and um, it, the numbers just don't add up. If they're swinging at one or two miles, say two miles an hour faster we did in 1990, they'd hit it six yards farther, not 70, not 60. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Um, and when you look at a player's driving average, I was looking at uh, Cameron Champ had the longest driving average on tour last year at 321.6. And what people don't understand is you got to hit a, you got to hit a bunch of drives, 350 and 60 to keep that average up because you're going to hit some bad drives. You're going to play in places like Pebble Beach where the ball plugged from the rain and the soft fairways. You know, you get at sea level, you know, the ball doesn't carry as far like at San Diego and Pebble Beach, Riviera, LA Open. You know, it just doesn't carry as far. And I mean, to me, that's just crazy. You're coming at par forward distance. You know, right. it's, it's nuts. I agree. You know? But the irons are so strong. And I'm, I've been club testing um, for about six weeks. I got to get some more tech, some, some modern technology in the bag because I've lost so much distance. And what they've done, I think pre COVID, uh, probably five, six years ago when the golf industry was kind of dying on the vine, um, I, I think that a CEO or a president one day was talking to an engineer and he's like, well, what are we going to do? You know, we're, I mean, club sales are nil. And I think an engineer said, well, let's do the same thing with the irons we did with the driver and the fairway wood. And that's what you've seen happen. You know, the drivers are like, you know, three piece. I mean, the irons, excuse me, are like three piece construction. You know, they're hollowing out behind the, the, uh, the face of the club and taking that weight, lowering the center of gravity, bending them stronger. And so, they just go, they just go crazy far. The new Callaway Paradigm um, seven iron is twenty nine degrees. The Paradigm X is twenty seven point five. That's my five iron. You know, you so if if you if you just took your seven iron, if you just have a, a normal players club, they call them. You know, the uh, the ones that aren't jack stronger. And if you and, and if I've been at two degrees stronger front for you, you're not going to hit it farther. You're just going to hit it lower. So the key is, as you know, is they've taken that weight out from behind the face. They squirt and they're squirting foam in there. And then they put all that weight low in the club. And then, oh, by the way, the shaft technology is crazy now. And they get put a low kick shaft in there. It shoots it up in the air. And all of a sudden, you know. You're hitting a daggum wedge 150 yards. You know, it's, <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's crazy. But if you go on YouTube, I watch a lot of YouTube, you know, watch it, you know, this club test and this club versus that club and everything. You know, they're all 25, 30 year old guys that are hitting seven irons, 185 in the air. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, how come you don't have any 66 year olds with testing on there? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Tim, I, I had Hal Sutton on the show a couple of weeks ago, and Hal said, when you guys played, hitting the ball straight used to mean something. You know, Scotty Scheffler's talked in, in the past week about how on 13 at Augusta National, he used to hit three wood because he could spin it. You know, he could hook it and spin it around the corner. 
And now with the driver and, and the golf ball, you can't spin, the, spin it off the driver to get it around the corner. So to no. me, that's, that's another thing about the ball and the equipment is you guys, I mean, with the Balata ball, boy, that thing was spinning out of, out of control, Hit, hitting it straight. Like Hal said, that used to mean something to be able to hit that ball, hit a Balata straight. That used to be a skill. Absolutely. And, and Hal's a good friend. I, I love Hal to death. He was a great ball striker as well. I mean, when he and I played together, we gave the gallery something to cheer about usually. Um, and Hal is, 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 it's, it's, it's just totally accurate what he told you and what I'm telling you. It's like, you know, the, the, it, when dad told me when I was growing up, dad would say, he'd say, now son, from the seven iron on down, meaning seven iron to the sandwich, he said, you're not trying to hit them hard. You're trying to hit them close inside five feet. And, and that's the way I've always played. And I was notoriously short with my irons. I was famous for messing guys up that peeked in my bag to see what club I had on, say, a par, par three, which is totally legal, you know. And, um, and and I look in your bag, you look in mine if I'm undecided. But um, it, it, it just, I, I just don't understand trying to hit a seven iron like you're in a long drive competition. I, I just really don't. And, you know, I live on, on the golf course here and, you know, I look out the back and I'm looking at guys my age and older and it hurts my back watching them swing. You know, it's like, oh my God, they're doing everything but falling down, trying to kill it. You know, whereas Hal in my generation, you know, Nicholas and uh, I mean, it was just Tom Watson, Trevino. It, it was about ball control. Now it's, uh, I forget the, the term that they're using now. Scotty Scheffler used it. It, it's called bomb something like bomb and gouge. That's right. Bomb the bomb the driver and then gouge the sandwich or pitching wedge. And and the 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 stats are really overwhelmingly showing that the top twenty players are pretty much all bombers. That there's a dramatic there's a dramatic advantage if you're significantly longer than me. And all things considered, on number four, you're hitting a seven or an eight iron in, and I'm hitting a pitching wedge. The numbers and the data just shows that you're going to hit the pitching wedge exponentially closer. Right. You know, but do do I think the game's gone in the wrong direction? Yes. Do I think they should have listened to the GOAT, to Jack Nicholas years ago? I mean, he was talking about this 35 years ago, and they wouldn't listen to him. You know, and, and they love the ratings, but I just don't know how amateurs can associate with guys hitting 350 yard drives. <laughs> right. I can't, yeah. I can't, I, I sure can. Part of that is the loss to me of shot making. I mean, you guys had to carve it in, you know, around a dog leg, around a tree, whatever. And now to your point about the bomb and gouge, if I can bomb it out there, and then if I do happen to get it into the rough, I can just gouge it out with a wedge. You can, to your point, I can get it significant, significantly closer. But part of the the game of golf to me was the skill of being able to hit different kinds of shots because you had to. You had to be able to hook it around a dog leg. You had to hit it high over a tree. You had to do that sort of stuff. That was sort of the art of the game, and I feel like we've lost that. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more, Chris. And, and I tell you what, it shows 
when they go to, for instance, Colonial every year in Fort Worth. They got 150, 200 year old oak trees and these young gorillas can't hit it over the top of them. And they don't like having to draw it and tape and they're not great at it either. And because the clubs, the balls now are, they've taken so much spin off of them as you're alluding, um, like with the drivers, as you know, everything is about launch it high and the ball is knuckling like a knuckleball in baseball. And so it hits the ground and, you know, Joe average tour player may be carrying it 285, but it runs out 320 because the fairways are firm and, and the balls are just rolling crazy, but they've done the same thing. What I was explaining earlier with the irons is they did with the driver. They got these damn trampoline faces, you know, the, the spring faces and um, the ball just jumps off of, um, I don't know. It's, I, I think we've gone in the wrong direction. And, um, to, to be honest, it's, it's antiquating the, some of the greatest courses on earth, Chris. Um, let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. I wanted to get your thought because I know we have the masters coming up, but right after that, we have the PGA championship in May we played it at Oak Hill. It hosted the PGA in 1980 and the U.S. Open in 89. You played in both of those events. Talk yeah, about played, Oak Hill. Yeah, I played Oak Hill in the Champions Tour. Um, oh, it's a fantastic course. You're talking about Oak Hill and Rochester, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, fantastic golf course. But, you know, the to me, the crying shame of this is you take the greatest courses on earth, especially here in the United States, where um, they're landbound. Now, why are they landbound? Because a golf course property is like a picture frame. And you and I build a golf course. Yeah, we can tell everybody we just need a great course in our town. But the truth of the matter is, is we're going to make millions off the dirt that frames this golf course. So you get into an issue of where, how can we back this tee up? We can't put it in Chris Mascaro's living room, his house is sitting there, <laughs> you know, and the, 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 the obvious, and, and it's just making some of the greatest courses on earth obsolete, you know, courses, I mean, poor Donald Ross and McKenzie and these greatest designers ever, they're going to be rolling over in their graves. You know, they were hitting a dadgum mashy into these club, into these par fours and guys are driving it on the front of the green. Right. You know, and, and I, I just I think they've gone in the wrong direction totally, and they've got to get a hold of it. Now, I will say this, you know, darn good and well, it doesn't matter if they shorten a the golf ball 40 yards. If you're a long hitter, you still have an advantage. Right. Isn't and that's and that's kind of where I'm getting lost in, in this whole argument. Is it the right thing to do, the wrong thing to do? I mean, first of all, it's all relative, right? I mean, if if the way they're testing the golf ball and all that sort of stuff is going to mean 14 to 15 yards shorter, everybody's going to be 14 to 15 yards shorter. So it's still all relative to where the game is today. And I think Michael Wan said this the other day on Michael Breed show. I mean, if, if the PGA tour and the LPGA tour, they want to keep everything exactly the same as it's sitting today, they got to do is move the tees up 15 yards and everyone's still doing the same thing they're doing today. So I'm 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 really sort of scratching my head, like what is all this gnashing of teeth about when 
if you change the T's and it's all relative, no one's really getting hurt here. Well, you, you go, I mean, still one of the, the most incredible courses on the PGA Tour is still Harbortown. And I think they figured out a way to stretch it back near 7,000. But when I played it, it was like 66, 6,700. But at Harbortown, you know, the, the old saying is you got to walk single file down the fairways because the fairways are so narrow. The right. greens are about the greens are about twice the size of your car. And there's a reason that you never saw Phil and Tiger and others, Bombers, Bub, Bubba and those guys playing Harbortown because you had to hit it dead straight, you know. And, and I think that I heard Johnny Miller say something 15 years ago. It was very interesting. He said, you, you want a tiger proof of golf course? He said, bring the fairways in, grow the rough up over your ankles, make the green hard as rocks and tuck the pin. And I also, uh, that same week, it was a week of the U.S. Open. They were interviewing Hank Haney because at the time Tiger was working with Hank and Hank, Hank made a statement that I never forgot. He said they keep tiger proof trying to tiger proof these golf courses and nobody realizes they're playing right into our hand. So if you're a long hitter and then make the courses longer, that's helping right. you and I out. Right. That makes you sense. You know, Joe average length on tour. Um, you know, he's getting he's getting pounded because he's hitting a utility wood in and you're hitting a nine iron. <laughs> and you know, I happen to be driving i had to go to athens today and i was driving back and i got to thinking out of the clear blue about i can't remember last time i heard zach zach johnson's name mentioned you know because he's considered short as heck now at whatever he hits at 285 you know it's um you know if if you're an average hitter on the pga tour today come january 1 you know you've got six or eight tournaments that you've got to make hay in. And if you don't play good in those, you've got big problems because you ain't going to light it up on a 7,800-yard course if you're hitting it 290. Tim, before I let you go, I know our listeners are interested in keeping up to date with what you're doing. I know you're a wonderful instructor now. How can people get in touch with you and come get a lesson? Uh, they can call Harbor Club here at, at Lake Oconee, call a golf shop, uh, or uh, they can, good gracious, I forgot my dadgum uh, other email. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've took, I took down my website during COVID, and it's like, you know what, I, I'm too old to be standing out here in 100-degree heat. But uh, I, th I think it's uh, timbogolf 99 at gmail.com is is they can get in touch with me but uh i, I don't know just drive by the house and honk the window <laughs> i mean honk the horn excuse me honk the horn <laughs> uh, but it's so good catching up again and uh always enjoy doing your show and you're a true professional i appreciate you tim you're the best my friend i look forward to catching up with you hopefully real soon thank you so much chris all the best same to you tim Bye-bye. That is the great Tim Simpson, folks, and one of the all-time great ball strikers and one of the all-time great players, very underrated for uh, his career, but just one of the great individuals that I've had the, the privilege of having as part of the show. 
He always makes the segment so much fun. I'm going to get down to see him this year and get a lesson or two because I need help. And uh, Tim, Tim is just one of the, like I say, when you're one of the all-time great ball strikers and Jack Nicholas says you're one of the all-time great ball strikers, he's the guy you need to go see when you need help with the game. So I'm looking forward to catching up with him again soon.